0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? You're only loved by the most high God in the entire universe. You're only you're only gonna spend eternity in heaven and all that good stuff. So how's everybody doing this morning? How are you guys doing uh, watching online at home? A lot of whale sounds going on here. See that guys are working on it, but anywho, it's good to see everybody here uh, this morning, and also thank you uh, for joining us online as well. And if this is your first time joining with us, either here in person or in line, uh, over the past several weeks, we have been in a series based upon the book of Revelation, and over the past several weeks in this series. we've been focusing on uh, the section in the book of Revelation that is commonly referred to as the seven letters to these seven churches. to where Jesus, through the Apostle John, uh, speaks to each of these seven respective churches, and he also speaks to us as well. And so we've not looked, nor are we going to look at all seven churches um, we've looked at the church in Ephesus, uh, last week we wrapped up looking at the church in Philadelphia, and today we're going to end the section, uh, end this section of Revelation looking at the church in Laodicea. And as I've mentioned uh, over the past few weeks, the majority of these letters, Jesus will give both a, a you know, correction and a commendation to each of these churches except for two. And you know, we saw an example of of a church to where Jesus both gave a a correction and a commendation in the church in Ephesus, and then the church in Philadelphia. Jesus has nothing but praise for them. Jesus just gives them a lot of props. But um, the church that we're going to look at today, unfortunately, Jesus doesn't have anything good to say to them whatsoever. They they just they get nothing but correction. And um, so that's what we're going to do uh, next week. I also mentioned last week that for those of you who are ready to get into all of the 666 six, six, and the 7 headed beasts and, you know, when is Jesus coming back and all that, well, that's we're going to start that next week. But again, for for our time this morning, we're going to look at the church in Laodicea. And, folks, I'll go ahead and let you know since we had two services this morning. Um, There's a lot that we can get into in regards to the church in Laodicea, but I'm going to focus on the core issue of what was going on there and how it relates to the church and how it can relate to your life and mine. So if you're following from home, if you want to break open your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, uh, verses 15 through 16, for those of you here, you can follow along. So again, this is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking through the Apostle John to the church in Laodicea. And Jesus says this. Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And in the Greek, it's a little bit more graphic. He's basically saying, I'm going to chuck you, I'm going to vomit you, I'm going to puke you out of my mouth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we just invite your spirit and your presence to be uh, here with us this morning. Help us to engage you as we engage your word. And just as Jesus is speaking here to the church in Laodicea, Jesus, by power, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us here this morning. And this could be a, a very difficult passage to look at, but we're going to see, even in the midst of the difficulty, how good and how loving you are. And so, Father, whatever it is that we need here this morning, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would pour out your love on us. If we need peace, bring us your peace. If we need love, give us your love. Whatever it is that we need, we just pray that you would meet the needs of your people here this morning as we engage you through your word. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we pray, and we ask these things in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Now, for those of you, if you know me, you know that I have moved around a lot in my life, especially from the time of my early 20s uh, throughout my middle uh, 30s, and um, in case you're wondering, I will be almost 50 this year. Uh, December, not quite, I had to correct Chris. Chris, Chris kind of misunderstood what I was saying. I think he left, but afterwards he said, are you actually going to be 50 this year? And I said, no, I'm going to be a year away from 50. So I'll be 49 on December 10th of this year. But still, he said, well, you know, that's kind of rounding it up to the nearest hand there. So our actually, atch- Chris Larson did say that, but um, but again, yes, almost 50. Can you believe it? I'm halfway to 100. That's amazing. I I never thought that I would make it or live this long. But but again, I have moved around a lot. For example, from Greensboro, this is the city I was born in. In my 20s, I moved from Greensboro to San Diego. And then from San Diego back to Greensboro. And then from Greensboro back to San Diego. And then from San Diego to uh, the little Five Points neighborhood in Atlanta, Georgia. And then from Atlanta, Georgia back to Greensboro. And then from Greensboro to Los Angeles, California. And Los Angeles, California back here to Greensboro to where Christina and I currently live. Now, let me say this just to be clear because in regards to the announcement that I made last week, I still had people ask this question and I'll go ahead and let you know. No, I'm not moving again. We're not moving. Unless Jesus appears over my bed one night and says, Go therefore in the land over yonder somewhere. We ain't moving anywhere. This is this is where we're staying. So I have no plans to move. Now in all of these cities that I lived in, I, I really enjoyed when I come in there. In fact I, I I love the cities that I actually love Los Angeles, believe it or not. A lot of people think, you know, how could you love Los Angeles? It's a great city. I loved all the cities that I lived in, and I also loved all of the respective churches that I that I was a part of in each of those cities when I lived there. And the reason why I bring that up is because I seriously doubt that the same could be said for the Laodiceans as they looked around and considered their Church. Now, they may have been, you know, proud of the city that they were a part of and that they lived in, but in regards to their church, I, I would seriously doubt that. And the reason for that is because Laodicea was riddled with all kinds of spiritual issues. Now the words that Jesus speaks to them through the Apostle John is without question the most forceful. Words that Jesus speaks to any of these seven churches in this section in the book of Revelation. Their severity, the severity of his words is absolutely undeniable. And ultimately what Jesus is saying to them, folks like, mean, oh, this is harsh, this is hard to hear, but Jesus is saying to them, you are making me sick. You're making me sick. And I know some of you are thinking right about now, But wait a minute. I thought Jesus loves his church. And if that's what you're thinking, if that's what you, you know, you're contemplating right now, you are absolutely right. Jesus loves his church. And Jesus, even though this church was making Jesus sick, he still loved them and cared for them. But again, you may be thinking, but wait a minute. How can that be? I mean, Jesus is literally saying here that that I'm going to vomit, I'm going to upchuck, I'm going to hurl them out of my mouth, however you want to put it. And then furthermore, what are they doing inside of Jesus' mouth anyway? Well, that's what we're going to find out. That's what we're going to get into for a little bit here this morning. And as we do to understand what Jesus is saying here, it's helpful for us to understand the the background of this city in Laodicea and what, what they were known for. You see, even though there was a lot of spiritual issues going on in this church, the city of Laodicea, they, the people who lived there and the people in this church, they were very wealthy. Laodicea, they they were widely known for their monetary success. Laodicea was actually one of the financial and, and the banking hubs throughout the Roman Empire at this time. And they were also a medical hub. Laodicea had their own medical school. Which, you know, nowadays, that doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but back then, very few cities could say, hey, we have a medical school in our city, and that school, they were, were, you know, particularly known for an eye ointment that they produced, and it would help people with their vision. So they were known for that. They were also known as an industry or a center of fashion and clothing, And the reason for that is this, is because in the hills around the area, there were these black sheep that were indigenous to that specific area in Laodicea. And so it produced a specific kind of wool that was very cozy, it was also black, and and so you could create all these like real comfortable, but also very cool-looking types of clothes that people in that area, in that time of the world, wanted to be able to wear and wanted to be able to to all. So you have these days and you may be thinking, well, you know, why do I need to understand this background information about the city of Laodicea? Well, the reason for that is this, is because here in a few moments you're going to see how Jesus uses such things and how he capitalizes on such things in regards to the appeal that he's going to make to them and to call them back. And so, with that in mind, let's go ahead and consider Jesus's appeal. And he starts his appeal, really, where you can see he's calling out a tepidity a, a or, or a lukewarmness that, that is really borderline indifferent. Whereas we're going to see here that the Laodiceans kind of had this sort of indifferent, case sera, 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 whatever will be, will be, type of approach to their relationship with Jesus, and that, that it's also connected to their pride in their areas. So, before we, we dive into that, let, let's look at those verses one more time. Put up verses 15 through 16 one more time. So, again, Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold I am about to spit you out of my mouth. What is Jesus saying here? Well, let me begin to answer that with an illustration. I'm sure some of you guys have been thinking throughout the service, what are those two things sitting up there in front of the stage? Yeah. Alright, so what is this? If you guys know me Another thing about me, these are my two favorite drinks in the entire world. And if you've ever been out to breakfast with me before, you'll know that I'll have these two at the same time. I'll have a Coke and a cup of coffee at the same time. So if you're watching from home, this is a soda. This is a Coke that has been sitting in my office since yesterday afternoon. And this is a cup of coffee. If you can see in there, see there's a coffee in there. This has also been sitting... In my office since yesterday afternoon here when I was working here. Now, if you are like me, if you like Coke or soda or if you like coffee, there's nothing quite like an ice cold Coke. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, Oh, I love just the fizziness, the coldness and the fizziness. It's just, oh, this is great. And then at the same time, there's also. Nothing quite like a nice piping hot cup of joke. Can I get another A? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I would say the majority of us, if you had to come up here and drink this room temperature lukewarm soda or this room temperature Lukewarm cup of coffee, you would probably go. <coughs> <coughs> right, a, a, a lukewarm flat soda. Oh, ah, as much as I like Coke, oh golly I can't stand it when it's when it's just lukewarm. And then coffee when it's just been sitting around and it's not warm anymore. I, I know there's such thing as iced coffee if you're an iced coffee drinker. Shame on you. <laughs> I don't like iced coffee but, but a nice hot cup of coffee Especially like on a morning like today When it's cool and it, Oh it's so great And it's so appealing it, it, But you with know, have a more Either one It's not very appealing It's not very appetizing And folks this is very similar to what Jesus Is saying here to the church In Laodicea when he says you're neither hot nor cold. And I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, it would be my guess that a lot of us here grew up hearing that when Jesus says that, you know, hey, you're hot, you're neither hot nor cold, that he's what he's doing is that he is comparing sort of opposite spiritual beliefs. And what I mean by that is this is that A, when Jesus is saying, Hey, I I wish you were hot. Well that means I, I wish you were on fire for me, you're, you're in depth, in deep with me, you know, you're just on fire, your, your zeal for me is amazing, your belief is incredible, I wish you were hot, or on the opposite end of the spectrum, I wish you were cold, like an unbelieving pagan. Yes, you know, you're an unbelieving pagan, but at least you have, you know, an opportunity to hear the gospel and then to come on over into the hot side of things. So, again, a lot of people will interpret this passage again as being sort of, you know, opposite in spectrums of belief. You know, intense, zealful belief, and then no belief at all. Folks, If that's what you've been taught, which I know a lot of us have, that's how I was taught to interpret this passage. Folks, that makes no sense. That makes absolute no sense at all when you think about it. And hey, don't get me wrong, of course Jesus loves pagans. Of course Jesus loves non-believing people and and wants them to, to come in and receive the gospel and come into relationship with him. And hey, being lukewarm, I get it, that's nothing to brag about. Being lukewarm, that's, that's not good. But why in the world would Jesus say to the church in Lake of Dicea, I would prefer you to be an unbelieving pagan rather than being lukewarm. I mean, even if you're lukewarm, I mean, you're still a Christian. So, I mean, do, do you see sort of the snafu, sort of the issue in, in interpreting what Jesus is saying here in, in, in that manner. So again, why would Jesus prefer the Laodiceans to be either cold or hot? And so again, I, I think, again, going back to this analogy is going to help. But also, even more importantly, by considering the typography of the city in Laodicea. And that's going to help us. You see, the city of Laodicea, they had no water supply or water source on their own. Right? Laodicea did not have like a, a, a river or a lake branch or lake genet that supplies our water and you know, for drinking and for bathing. They were dependent upon two other cities that surrounded them in order to you know, get their water supply, and those two cities being the city of Hierapolis, which was about six miles uh, to the north of Laodicea, and then also the city of Colossae. And if that sounds familiar, that's the book, book of Colossians. It was the city that the Colossians lived in. And the city of Colossae was about 12 miles to the east of Laodicea. And Hierapolis was famous for their hot springs. They would oftentimes reach around 95 degrees or so. And so these, these hot waters, they, they had a lot of minerals within them, and so there was a lot of you know, benefits for you know, drinking or bathing in this water. You, you could you know, cleanse yourself through the temperature and through the heat, and, and if your muscles, you know, when you're almost 50 and all that stuff, you know, when your muscles tighten up, you know, you, it can soothe those aching muscles and those bones. I mean, it would be like taking a hot shower or getting into a jacuzzi. How many of you like going and getting into a jacuzzi? Yeah, again, when you when you hit you young people when you hit fifty, I promise you, it starts. You really, oh, oh. I love a hot tub. Just it's just odd. There's, there again. There's something soothing, something very. Healing about it. But then, you know, the opposite side of things, you had the city of Colossae. And Colossae was known for its icy cold waters to where the snow capped mountains, the water would come off of the mountains and flow into the city of Colossae. So you had, you know, Hierapolis, you had these very hot, very warm, you know, healing, soothing type waters. And then uh, Colossae had these icy cold waters that were good for refreshment. So Jesus is saying, with that in mind, to Laodicea, what does he say? He is saying, you are neither hot and you are neither cold. You are of no good to anybody. Not you as a person, but your actions. You're witness how you're living. You, you, you're not providing a, a nice, hot, you know, bath water or mineral water or a cool drink, a refreshing drink to those who are thirsty. You're not offering any of those things to anyone. And so therefore, they can be sick. So hot and cold do not refer to extremes of belief. What, I'm, I'm just completely diving head over heels in belief and then, oh, I, I'm just, I don't believe it at all. He's literally talking about these waters from Hierapolis and Colossae. And again, Jesus is saying, I want to be very clear here. When Jesus is saying, you're making me sick, he's not saying to them, you as a person, you as someone created in my image, and you're making me sick. But how you are living your life in regards to who you are in me. And the way that you're living, the way that you're doing these things, you're not offering anybody anything to those around you. And he says, listen, I would prefer you to either be hot or cold because both hot and cold are going to offer something to someone. But you're just just lukewarm. You're just tepid. So that solves that issue in regards to the hot and the cold, but he's still here. He calls them lukewarm. And so why does he do that? Well, our answer to what Jesus is saying in regards to that goes back to us being able to understand the typography of Laodicea. Here's what I'm talking. Here's what he's talking about. Put that picture up. Who can tell me what this is? And if you guess it correctly, you can have a sip of one of these (laughs) beverages up here. That's right. You guys were the first service. Nobody, nobody got. But you're right. This is an aqueduct. And folks, this is the actual aqueduct that came from Hierapolis that connected to the city in Laodicea. This, Yes. This is what was there when this letter was written. This was the aqueduct that came from Hierapolis into the city in Laodicea. Now, remember, Hierapolis is where the hot water comes from. Man. And it's six miles away. And so, even though the water would start out very hot and piping hot, once they put it in the aqueduct, by the time it traveled all the way those six mile and six mile journey into Laodicea, the water had since cooled. It wasn't cold, it wasn't hot, it was tepid, it was lukewarm, it had lost its heat, it had lost its usefulness and so Jesus is saying listen guys this is what you're like or how you're living you're, you're like this type of water that is coming through this aqueduct by the time it reaches to who and where you're at in you're neither hot you're neither cold you're the warm you, you, you can almost picture Jesus going up to this, and, and having a cup and sticking it underneath is, is that tepid water would come out. And that lukewarm water would come out. And then he puts it up to his mouth and he takes a drink. And then, ah, <coughs> oh, 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 it tastes horrible. That's what he's saying here. And folks, listen, I, I know this is, this is it's a very graphic image. And you and I can sit there and go, man, those lay of the sea and there they are in deep doo-doo. How in the world do they have any sort of hope whatsoever since they are making Jesus so sick? Oh, there's no hope for them whatsoever. Jesus is just going to get them. He's going to let them have it. Oh. Let's not rush ahead so quick, shall we? Because they do have hope. So you have this, you have this lukewarmness that was going on there. Another reason why Jesus was so severe is because, again, this lukewarmness was connected to their pride. It was connected to their self-sufficiency. There was a lot of self-aggrandizement that was going on in this place. And this is one of the reasons, again, why Jesus is being so forceful with them. Is that there was a lot of self-promotion, there was a lot of self-sufficiency that was going on in this church, and they were, they were bound up with all of their earthly accomplishments, and Jesus is saying to them, listen, hey, you have a wonderful banking center, you have all that money, and you know, that, that's great, you have a wonderful medical school that produces ISAV to help people, great! it's wonderful, you have, you know, all of these really cool clothes and stuff that you have, that you wear, that you sell, but you know what? You are absolutely blind in regards to your need for. And folks, let me be very clear here. Jesus is not saying, oh, <laughs> you know, being wealthy is a bad thing. He's not saying, you know, medical care is a bad thing. He's not saying fashion is a bad thing. Those in and of themselves, they're not bad. But they were allowing such things to get in their way with their relationship with Jesus. And it was causing them to be cooled in their love, in their fervor, in their life, in their witness, in their walk with Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen, you have all that stuff, that's great, but you know what? It is blinding you from the fact of how much you need me. And so Jesus says this in verse 17, if you want to put that next scripture up, he says to them, he says, you say I'm rich, I acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <What was that? laughs> it is almost what they're saying to God, like, God you know what, God, you don't need you. Thanks, God, but no thanks. We got it covered. Folks, let's be honest. Again, there's nothing wrong nothing wrong with clothes, nothing wrong with good health care, all those are good things but you know what, let's be honest when everything's comfortable we have a tendency to about God and we have a tendency oh, you know what God I'm good I'll check back with you when I need something uh-huh. but see God wants us to be dependent upon him all the time when we have what we have and when we're in need God wants us to always be dependent upon him and see here's another thing to think in mind to just see the the kind of pride that was going on in this church in Laodicea is that in AD 61 Laodicea the city was leveled by earthquake. A lot of earthquakes in this area of Asia Minor during this time during these churches. And so this this city was absolutely leveled. It was destroyed. And then the Roman Empire actually offered the equivalent of what we would call federal disaster relief to help rebuild this city after the earthquake. And you know what they said? They said, no, thank you. We don't need your help. We have enough money for ourselves. And it's great if you got it, obviously, and you don't need that help. But part of it, when you see what was going on, you see some of the records there, they did that as a way to flaunt their wealth and their pride. And so, again, that shows you just how prideful they were that they're actually refusing free money. Go figure so Jesus says this, Revelation 17 through 18, he says this. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich in white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see So Jesus is saying, listen, you wanna be spiritually rich? Then you come and buy from me. You come to me, You, you exalt me. You trust in me, you prize and adore me. Come and buy me. And some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, I didn't realize Jesus was for sale. Are you saying that Jesus is for sale, Todd? It's a metaphor, but yes. Folks, the only currency that God honors is your need for Him. That's it. You know, if a coin could represent your need on both sides, it would say, I'm desperate and I'm in desperate need of you, Jesus. And so Jesus says to the lay of the sea and to us that that's the only money that you need in regards to God, and that is acknowledging your desperate need for Jesus. I like the way John Stott puts it. He puts it like this. This is ultimately what Jesus is trying to get the Laodicean church back to. If we refuse to acknowledge our need before God and before others, we have missed the central message of the gospel, that we are all in need of a Savior When others see our neediness and witness the Lord meet our deepest needs and desires, they witness the gospel lived out. The bottom line is that, whether we want to admit it or not, we are all needy and we are all designed for dependence. God, praise God that he has already met our greatest need through the work of Christ. You see, folks, the way that it works is this. And, and oftentimes we, we get it kind of wrong. We get it kind of backwards. In regards to relating to each other, God wants us to be interdependent with each other. But in regards to him, God wants us to be completely dependent upon him for everything, every need, spiritual, health, emotional, financial, to ultimately trust all in him. And so again, Jesus is, is calling the lay of the same church back. He said, listen, I really think he said, remember who you are. Remember what ultimately matters most. Remember your needs. You have all these great things going for you, but don't let that you and get in the way of your recognition that your ultimate need is for me. One last scripture for this morning. Here's what Jesus says. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This passage is primarily about cultivating an intimacy With Jesus, but that is not how a lot of people understand this passage. How many of you have ever had someone witness to you and give you a track? A few of you, okay. Back before I became a Christian, I used to get tracks with this scripture in it all the time, and I would have people give me, you know, Todd, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today. And if you let them in, just let them in, you can be saved and you can be born again. And folks, if someone, you know, shared this scripture with you and led you to Christ this morning, guess what? You're still saved. You're still going to go to heaven when you die. But you know what, folks? This is actually not an evangelistic scripture. How do I know that? Because it's addressed to believers. See, we oftentimes think the spitting uh, out of Jesus spitting the church out of their mouth that they're not believers anymore. That's not true. we have kind of just seen this. He's talking to believers. So what does this mean for us here this morning? Very simple, but very profound. What's your need? Where in your life are you currently saying, you know what, God, I can handle that part of my home. I'm just fine, God. Don't go there. I can deal with that all by myself. I got it covered. And you know what? If you're going through a good season in your life, I right, know great, wonderful. But you know at some point they're going to be like that. And you know, obviously the, the season that we've been in with the pandemic and everything going, you know, on there's a lot of need. I mean, so maybe your need this morning, if the worship team wants to come on back up, maybe your need this morning is financial. You know, maybe you're not doing so good financially. I know a of you people are looking for work. God doesn't want you to handle that all by yourself. God wants you to be dependent upon him in the midst of that need. Maybe it's an emotional need or a relational need that you have. Same thing, God wants you to be completely dependent upon you. Where is your need this morning that God is saying, hey, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Are you gonna let me in? If you let me in, I'm gonna come in. I can help you. Folks, this passage for a lot of people, when they read it, it it scares the badoobies out of it sometimes. But you know what? Even though this church didn't get any sort of props or praise from Jesus, I think this is actually one of the most hopeful passages or one of the most hopeful letters Jesus wrote to any of these seven churches. Why? Because it shows us that even when our behavior and our actions and our lifestyle is making Jesus sick, what does Jesus do? Does Jesus, I'm just going to kick you out. No. Hey, remember me? He comes knocking, he comes pursuing. Amen. 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 And he says, just just let me in. Just let me in. Amen. You don't have to be perfect. Just recognize and acknowledge your hand. Let's see. And Heavenly Father, I pray that as we sing this last song, your love awakens me. Just pray right now. Jesus, would you pour out your love on us? Would you pour out your love in those areas of need, whatever our needs may be this morning? We're all different. We all may be going through different things. But Father, whatever our need is, we know what those needs are, and you do too. I just pray that you would help us right now in this moment, in this place, on this Sunday right now, to humble ourselves, Instead of holding on to or trusting in things of this world or things that are in our control, that, that we can let go of those things and just say, Jesus, I'm so new. And I have so many needs, but my ultimate need is for you. Would you, would you come into this area? maybe you've never surrendered your life at all to Jesus. Folks, it's it's not so much a magic prayer when it comes to coming into salvation and relationship with Jesus. It's not so much the words that you say. There's no magic salvation prayer. It's really the state and the attitude of your heart. And it begins with that acknowledgement of your need. For Jesus in your need for a sin. Yeah. So whether you're a believer this morning, you have a need for Jesus. And if you are a believer this morning, you still have a need for Jesus. Our need for Jesus never yeah. is. But the good news is, is again, whatever our need is, he's always there us Heavenly Father, again, as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come. Fill the hearts and the needs of your people here this morning. Give us what we need. You know what we need. And as your people, as your church here at Gate City Vineyard, we just say collectively here in the sanctuary, watching online at home, that we. We thank you that when we acknowledge that need, you come in. As the Holy Spirit, I just pray that as we acknowledge our need, as we open the doors of our heart, Holy Spirit, would you pour out your Spirit on oh, us here this morning in the sanctuary and also in you watching online. And we love you and we thank you for your goodness, and your love, and your grace, and your mercy. When we pray. We ask these things in the name of our beloved Son Jesus Christ, and all God's people say, Amen. 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 That's us we